Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the ARC Resources Limited Quarter 3 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Friday, November 5th, 2021. I would like to turn the conference over to Dale Luco. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on our third quarter earnings conference call. Joining me on the call today are Terry Anderson, President and Chief Executive Officer, Chris Bibby, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Laura Conrad, Senior Vice President Development, and Armin Jahangiri, Senior Vice President Capital Projects. Before I turn it over to our executive team to take you through our Q3 results in 2022 budget, I'll remind everyone that this conference call includes forward-looking statements and non-GAAP measures with the associated risks outlined in the earnings release and our MD&A. All dollar amounts discussed today are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. The press release, financials, MD&A are also available on our website as well as CDAR. Following our prepared remarks, we'll open the line to questions. With that, I'll turn it over to our President and CEO, Terry Anderson. Terry, please go ahead. Thanks, Dale, and good morning, everyone. I'll keep my opening remarks brief and focused on what I believe is most relevant, which can be summarized in five key points. First being the continual operational excellence of our business. Second, the completion of the seven generations integration. Third, our record production and free cash flow per share. Fourth, the accelerated shareholder returns. And fifth, the 2022 budget announcement. So over the past 12 to 24 months, we have observed the complexity of the energy environment and the importance of having a reliable and safe source of energy supply. ARC has established itself as a leading provider of that energy and is well positioned to retain that moving forward. Q3 was excellent across the board and really demonstrated the strength of our assets and the best in class people that run them. The team continues to build on our 25 year track record of safe and efficient operations. We delivered both record production and free cash flow per share, eclipsing the previous mark set way back in 2006. Our operational momentum is very strong. Continuous improvement and our focus on operational excellence is truly part of our DNA, and we are seeing this materialize again in our results. Production of 354,000 BOE per day was above analyst expectations and we continue to find tangible ways to improve efficiencies and reduce costs. Capital well costs have decreased by greater than 10% year over year, and we anticipate that further efficiencies will offset these inflationary pressures that our industry is facing. I think it's important to step back to realize our operating costs were $3.58 a BOE, and considering our production is 40% liquid, that is an exceptional number. Even though commodity prices are strong, we are still very focused on being a low-cost producer. In addition, we made excellent progress on the integration efforts. 
Today, we have realized 90% of the 160 million of synergies and are now on pace to exceed that total by year end, primarily due to greater than anticipated capital synergies being realized. We anticipated the, the 25 million in capital synergies outlined in April will now double by year end. It is true that large scale integrations like seven generations are often difficult to execute successfully. However, the ARC team has worked tirelessly for six months and the integration is now substantially complete and we are realizing significant value from this effort. We generated over a half a billion dollars or 69 cents per share of free cash flow in the quarter, approximately 6% of our market cap, which was used to pay down debt and accelerate capital returns to our shareholders much faster than we anticipated. To this end, we have increased our quarterly dividend by 52% to 10 cents a share. The dividend in increase reflects two things. First, our conviction in our business, and second, the greater profitability from fully cap capturing the synergies. We also put in place an NCIB as a complementary value creation tool. Since commencing in September, we have allocated over 200 million of free cash flow to repurchase 20 million shares or approximately 3% of our stock. Even with the conservative commodity price assumptions, we presume, perceive the intrinsic value of our business to be much greater than the share price, and therefore we'll continue to utilize the NCIB to create value and per share growth. In addition to the quarter, we released our preliminary 2022 budget, which balances reinvestment with an accelerated return of capital to provide an attractive total return Next year, the capital budget is 1.2 to 1.3 billion, of which 1.1 billion is to sustain production, and the balance will be invested in a 80 million cubic feet a day expansion at Sunrise, long lead items at Atachi, and emissions reduction project at Dawson. Our budget is expected to deliver average production of 335,000 to 350,000 BOE per day. The Sunrise expansion is one of our highest return opportunities in our portfolio. Supply cost is well below a dollar per MCF. Uh, its uh, emissions intensity is near zero and it's an excellent supply source for LNG given its proximity to inlet of coastal gas link. Related to that, we recently entered into a long-term supply gas agreement with an LNG Canada participant to deliver 150 million cubic feet a day of gas to the project which equates to roughly 12% of our corporate uh, natural gas volumes. We also continue to evaluate several measures to extract more profit along the value chain. Our resource depth, financial position, investment grade credit rating, and operating track record of delivering safely, on time, and on budget make us an excellent partner in these initiatives. Switching gears to Itachi, we plan to invest 75 million on long lead time items and we have plenty, plenty of flexibility to change the pace of spending based on the outcomes of negotiations between the Blueberry River First Nations and the BC government. The total cost of phase one remains at approximately $600 million, inclusive of the $75 million earmark for 2022. Once on production, we expect Attachi will generate $250 million of free cash flow at mid-cycle pricing or roughly $350 million at strip. The 2022 budget and dividend can be funded with cash flow down to $30 a barrel WTI, 
So with strip north of $70 today, there'll be meaningful return of capital component that Chris will talk about. Before turning it over to Chris, I want to stress that we can remain committed to building on our leading position as a low emissions producer with top tier governance practices. We are, we are one of the lowest emissions producers in North America, and we've set out to further reduce our scope one and two emissions, both on an intensity and an absolute basis. We've committed to reducing our emissions intensity by 20% and absolute emissions by 70,000 tons of CO2 equivalent by 2025. Our targets are backed by a tangible plan to achieve them, and we continue to look for a viable and concrete path to becoming a net zero producer in the future. Finally, I want to again recognize our entire staff for their efforts in delivering a record quarter safely and efficiently despite operating in a challenging environment. With that, I'll turn it over to Chris to touch briefly on our financial highlights. Thanks, Terry, and good morning, everyone. I'll quickly touch on a few additional highlights related to our debt structure and how we think about capital allocation, but I do want to leave a decent amount of time for questions, so I'll be relatively brief, which is a rarity for me, uh, on these comments, and then we can get on to the questions. As Terry mentioned, good operational momentum and strong commodity prices resulted in a record quarter. Along with our low cost structure, our marketing efforts played an important role as we realized a gas print above $4.50 at MCF, or more than a dollar above the ECO benchmark. Hedging losses offset some of these pricing tailwinds. The bulk of these positions will be rolling off in 2022. We will continue to manage risk through hedging, but our business is now better positioned to absorb volatility given our balance sheet strength, our diversified commodity mix, and our low cost structure. We were able to reduce debt by an additional $158 million in the quarter and by 20% or half a billion dollars since we closed the seven generations transaction in April. As a result, we are now well positioned to return more of our profits to shareholders. We increased the quarterly dividend, as Terry mentioned, by 52% to a very sustainable level of 10 cents a share per quarter. And we've been active repurchasing our shares through the NCIB. As Terry also mentioned, we've retired approximately 3% of our shares since September. It's worth noting we optimized our debt structure to better align with our investment grade rating. We repaid our legacy ARC private note, senior notes and amended and extended our $2 billion credit facility, which collectively lowered our overall cost of debt to approximately 2.4%. Over time, we will continue to reduce debt, ideally targeting roughly $1 billion over the long term at our current size. However, the pace of debt reduction will slow in favor of allocating more free funds flow to shareholders. This is a great segue to capital allocation and how we intend to allocate our free cash flow in the future, which has been very topical amongst the investment community. Foundational to our strategy is a meaningful return of capital component as a part of the total return. And to return capital sustainably, you need to reinvest profitably in the business. So we will continue to do both. As we have stated before, once debt's at the lower end of our target range, we will accelerate shareholder returns, and we've now reached that inflection point. As we said in the press release, we intend to return 50 to 80% of our cash flow to shareholders, free cash flow to shareholders, with the balance earmarked, earmarked for further debt reduction. The needs of the business are fully met, capital program and the dividend are sustainable in a low commodity price environment, our financial position is very strong, and we're very fortunate to have amassed a large drilling inventory in the highly profitable areas of the Montany. While we always look for opportunities to create value externally, the reality is what we've looked at recently does not compete for capital against our internal investment opportunities or buying our own shares. 
In terms of the method to return capital, the dividend has always been the core mechanism, and that has not changed. And obviously, we've just recently demonstrated that with our uh, dividend increase this quarter. We will now supplement it with share repurchases during periods in which we think it's a sound and profitable investment to do so. The base dividend will grow with our business and is set to be sustainable, such that it can withstand extended periods at the bottom of price cycles, even below $40 US WTI. Our payout is moderate under that scenario, so that there's an opportunity for us to continue to grow the dividend and repurchase our shares, which we've obviously been doing so recently. If this changes, we'll continue to evaluate other capital return measures to ensure that we provide our shareholders with the most competitive return possible. And with that, I think I'll turn it back to Terry for some closing remarks. Thanks, Chris. To close, this quarter was an excellent demonstration of our competitive strengths of our assets and people. Free cash flow and production per share were 25-year records. Operational momentum is strong, and we are at an inflection point to sustainably return more profits and provide an outsized return to our shareholders. With that, I'll turn it uh, back to the operator to open the lines to questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star, followed by the two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Patrick O'Rourke from ATB. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. Good morning. Um, sort of a three-part question here on Itachi, so I'll fire them all out there because they are in a, interconnected, and uh, then maybe you can answer them as you see fit. Um, just worry, uh, wondering here, in terms of the permitting issue um, and things that are going forward, obviously the, the Blueberry and the BC government have the preliminary um, agreement in place, which allows for pre-existing permits uh, to move forward here, excluding 20. Uh, is sort of the delay here or, or stepping back and waiting for this to resolve itself, is this more about um, prudence? I know in the past you said you had mostly all the permits in place uh, for Itachi, um, or are you caught up in those 20 permits that, that were sort of excluded from the agreement? I guess the second thing would be um, timing-wise, you guys have been very consistent in terms of your sanctioning of projects. Uh, they typically come out with the Q3 budgeting process. And we're wondering if this could be sort of a special case here this year where um, if you do see a full resolution to this issue, um, could we see a change to uh, the budget mid-cycle here and a sanctioning, um, you know, essentially effectively when the issue is resolved? And then the third and final uh, question on it is in terms of cost and procurement, um, are there any risks on the cost drift uh, or of cost drift on the $600 million here? I know you guys probably, uh, you've done all the engineering, you've done all the procurement, but are there any time-sensitive items in that procurement process there? Um, and is there any seasonality involved with uh, how you could get going in, on the construction for the, for the project? BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. 
simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Perfect, Patrick. Well, it's Terry here. Thanks for the question on Itachi. Um, So let's start with the permitting side, and it is about prudence. Um, So if I give a little background, uh, I've been spending a lot of time uh, talking to First Nations, B.C. government, the Oil and Gas Commission, and everybody is uh, trying to uh, come up to the same uh, agreement in that we want to progress activities, and it's just about how do we do it in a responsible manner. So I have confidence uh, where this is uh, going, and that's why you see us uh, the $75 million in long lead time items. But we want to have a 100% guarantee that we know the regulatory framework going forward. And so it is about just stepping back and waiting for uh, to make sure that uh, um, we can drill all the wells that we need to drill to continue producing into this facility. And you're right, we do have most of the permits. Um, for uh, building the facilities and the pipelines. So for us, it's just, just being a little, um, I guess, uh, taking a, a cautious approach to uh, making sure that everything, we know all the rules of the game before we step into the full $600 million. So that's what, but uh, I have confidence where, we're, where um, everything is going on the, the negotiations. And it's just a, a matter of uh, time before this is going to be resolved here because everybody wants it to be resolved. So that's on the permitting side. On the timing side, uh, yes, we could see a change uh, in uh, the budget, and we called this our preliminary 2022 budget with that in mind. Um, If uh, we get this uh, approval by the end of the year, then we will uh, look at changing our budget in the new year and get going on Atachi. We have everything um, in place uh, from our... uh, Plans are in place. The ordering of equipment is already happening. Um, so we're, we're set up to get going as quick as possible as soon as uh, um, we get that uh, ruling uh, figured out from the B.C. Uh, government in the blueberry. So mid-year, whatever time in the year, as soon as we get that comfort, we will actually sanction in 2022. We don't have to wait for Q3, I guess, is the point. And uh, maybe I'll turn it over to Armin more on the cost uh, uh, this, and the risk on inflation on the $600 million, but I think the, what we're seeing uh, from the efficiency gains that we are seeing in CAQA, some of those relate back to Attachee too. And so I think uh, also ordering some of our equipment ahead of time is helping um, mitigate uh, some of those inflationary pressures. But Armin, maybe you have a more flavor on, on that side. Yeah, Thanks, Terry. So, in terms of uh, the, the, the time-sensitive items that you talked about, Patrick, uh, I think the, the $75 million is effectively just to address that specific question. It really allows us to uh, have all the long lead items ready for a project like that, uh, and so that 
gives us flexibility in order to be able to advance uh, when the time is right. Uh, cost pressures, I guess, uh, specifically uh, to Attachee, I don't think there's anything unique about that project that uh, differentiates it from the other, other projects that we are executing. We've seen uh, infl inflation impact um, across the board uh, on, on the price of steel, labor costs, all the other factors. Um, we, we have estimated that to be about 5 to 7 percent impact on our overall um, capital expenditure. But as Terry said, our goal and ex expectation is to be able to actually offset all of that uh, uh, using efficiency of execution and the continuous improvement initiatives that we see across the board in the company. So uh, Attachee will be just like any other project as far as we can tell. Okay, great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Travis Wood from the National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the question and, and uh, good work on hosting the, the conference call. Hopefully you keep these up going forward. Um, I, I want to stay on Attachee and, and maybe uh, two, two parts to this question if I, if I can. Um, first, what do you guys uh, need from these negotiations? What are you expecting out of these negotiations? Uh, to provide some more certainty and clarity, um, and then what does that critical path look like for you guys to uh, to start to commit incremental capital to Attachee? And then the last part would be if if we see delays into 2022, um, was there cushion on the on-stream date, kind of the back end of 23? Like, do do you expect that that on-stream for 2023 changes? Um, even though there potentially is some upfront delays on, on Apache. Hey, thanks, Tra Travis, for the questions. Um, it's Terry here again. Uh, so as for clarity, uh, we need to see clarity on uh, the permitting authorizations. Um, that's the biggest uh, thing in the negotiations with uh, the B.C. government and the Blueberry River First Nations is what's the mechanism for these permit authorizations which take into account cumulative, cumulative effects. And so that's the biggest thing that they are talking about. And there's other uh, finer details, but that's the biggest uh, concern. So we need to make sure we know um, what the rules are for us when we're permitting activities, what we have to do, and um, make sure that makes sense for our business. So from that perspective, that's what we're looking for is that uh, clarity. And, and that's what this is really all about is uh, the clarity on the permitting authorizations. So that is the, basically the critical path to everything that we are doing for Attachee. Everything else is ready to go. We were ready to sanction uh, Attachee uh, come, well, right now, um, if it wasn't for the Blueberry uh, um, and government uh, negotiation issues that we're seeing right now. Otherwise, everything is ready to go. Arm is ready to pull the trigger on this thing uh, tomorrow. So. But if it is delayed further into 2022, yes, that will impact the 2023 uh, start time. We still need, whenever we start, Armin needs at least 18 months um, to uh, complete the facilities and drill the wells to have everything on stream. So it's basically whenever we sanction, it's 18 months out from then is kind of how you'd look at that. And Travis, I would just add, it's Chris here, you know, the way we would see this playing out is when we get that regulatory cert certainty, 
we'll circle back with Armin and his team and say, okay, what's your what's your on-stream date? What's the capital you can efficiently deploy in whatever time is left in that year and the following year? And then we'll update the market accordingly. Okay, that, that's great color on, on both those. Thanks so much, Jess. Thanks, Armin. Your next question comes from Jeremy McRae from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, two questions here. One is, can you give a little bit more detail with this LNG, LNG agreement that you guys signed here? Um, is there more to come after that? Was this just a little a preview of, of what's possible here? Um, any, any other additional um, clarity on, on that? And then if you could also provide a little bit more context in terms of the breakdown between the distribution between you know buybacks versus potentially special dividends, variable dividends in terms of the 50 to 80% uh, payout tier to shareholders. So Jeremy, um, Terry here, I'll take the first one and then uh, throw the second one to uh, Chris. So on the, uh, the LNG uh, deal, um, we can't, give much more detail on it, uh, but we, we can say that it, it's advantageous to North American-based pricing is what we got. So um, from that perspective, uh, we're net positive on this. It's a strategic deal. It's about building long-term relationships. And uh, to your point then, yes, we do believe there's other opportunities out there. Um, and I think for ARC, just with our... Um, Sunrise um, asset in particular, it is probably the greenest uh, um, facility in North America, and it's actually the proximity to the coastal gas link, and it's the reliability of ARC's operations that uh, people are looking for to partner with. So when you, uh, and our investment grade, where we have an, enough size to us and the resource, when you add all those up, we're a, um, a good partner for long-term LNG agreements like this. Um, so I guess that's, a, that's about all I can uh, add to flavor to that. And then um, maybe, Chris, maybe you want to touch on the second question. You bet. Um, so in terms of you know buybacks versus dividends, obviously I touched on it in opening, but, but you know we do want to lean on our base dividend as, as the primary long-term mechanism but it'll be supplemented by the uh, share buybacks just to make sure that we do get into that range of that 50 to 80%. I mean, the market's giving us an opportunity or we view as an opportunity with uh, the discounted valuation we see in the market currently. So, you know, we will be spending uh, heavily on that and getting up to our uh, full allotment of our 10% NCIB is what we would anticipate over the, I think, the remaining eight months that we have left on it. So it's going to be a portfolio approach where it's got a, a little bit of everything and that's uh, where we're going to start and we'll uh, keep moving forward with that as we see throughout the year. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Your next question comes from Aaron Bilkowski from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. Just to follow up on Jeremy's question. If we assume the regulatory uncertainty in BC settled and more capital spent at Tachi in 2022 than was in the preliminary budget, does this slow the pace of buybacks and future dividend increases, or does the CapEx come out of the remaining 20 to 50% of the free cash flow that's allocated to the balance sheet? Yeah, good question, Aaron. Um, it's Chris here, obviously. So 
you know, when we were designing the, the framework for our capital allocation, we were certainly mindful of, of where we were in this process. So it's the latter approach that we know that we have the flexibility with that remaining uh, 20 to 50% that, that will um, allow us to continue on the buybacks, continue on our dividend journey, and execute the business and profitably invest in our, our underlying assets to grow the business and the free cash flow for the long term. So it's, it's the latter of those two, Aaron. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Your next question comes from Elias Foscolis from Industrial Alliance Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much for taking my call. Um, I want to focus a bit on the, uh, the new dividend and the sustainability. Um, you kind of pegged the dividend to be, or the new dividend to be comfortably um, funded at 40 WTI and I'll just call it $2 ACO. But I, I kind of see a third uh, leg to that, uh, which is the uh, LPGs or butane and propane specifically. Uh, are, are you pricing in what I see as, you know, a structural improvement in those prices relative to WTI slash condensate? Um, just without getting too granular, I think it's important. So any color on that would be appreciated. Thanks. Thanks, Elise. It's uh, Chris here again, so I'll try to answer that one. You know, we're not changing any material assumptions on it. I mean, clearly propane uh, is, is experiencing quite a bit of strength right now. Butane is, is, you know, pricing very strong relative to WTI. But we're not forecasting any material change to those relationships. So really, it is, it is about a, a stable relationship. You have seen us you know, work hard over the last several years to, to make sure we do have some exposure to the spot consistency or spot market on the NGL streams, but we're not changing the, the assumption on the relationship of those values going forward. So um, we think as long as it stays relatively steady, uh, it is, uh, that's the, the relationship we're counting on. I mean, it is a relatively small component of our, our revenue overall, but um, it is an important component. Okay. Um, just maybe um, sort of another macro uh, question with the potential for um, ethane cracking uh, or another ethane cracker in Alberta. Uh, is there some capital project that might be directed towards feeding a plant like that um, or, or not? I think, you know, at the end of the day, we'll evaluate, you know, there's some, some vague wording in there, how we will evaluate all the opportunities ahead of us. And, you know, we do like to evaluate things before we commit to anything. So we will um, look and make sure, like, when we evaluate these things, it's about are we more profitable after the fact or before the fact, and what is the risk that we're absorbing in it? So, you know, I don't have a crisp answer for you. We will or won't do it, but uh, what I will assure you is we will evaluate. We've got a lot of uh, NGL stream that we have available. Um, as well as natural gas that we can put into these types of projects. And fortunately, we have the scale where we do get, um, you know, approach to at least evaluate these opportunities and uh, we'll continue to do so. Great. I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. Thanks very much for the uh, color. Thank you. Your next question comes from Michael Harvey from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, sure. Good morning, everybody. So just had a question about uh, the use of free cash. Uh, so you kind of mentioned that it's unlikely to be used for M&A. 
Um, just wondering if you could provide us some details on that. Is, is it just pure efficiencies that are driving that? So years are better than others. Um, are the assets just not available that would be complementary? Is it pricing, or is there? Uh, are you just kind of full up with 7G and your own stuff right now? Um, just any thoughts from the team and, and the board uh, on kind of how you guys are thinking about that? Obviously, some mixed uh, mixed views from your peers uh, on that point. Yeah, thanks, Michael. It's Terry here. So um, the answer is yes to all of those. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I guess when we're we're looking at the uh, M&A opportunities, we we're not looking for large. Um, uh, I guess significant uh, M&A opportunities. We've we've done the best one that we've seen out there, and uh, and now we've uh, are seeing the benefits of that. And you see the the extensive free cash flow that we're delivering, and and the efficiency gains that we're seeing that we thought we could uh, um, realize by Arc operating the way Arc operates it. Um, it does not mean that uh, there aren't opportunities, smaller in scale, that are more bolt-on uh, opportunities that we are looking at. That, that's always something that we do uh, day in and day out within our teams. Um, but we have such a big resource, and uh, I think it's, in my opinion, some of the best resource out there. So that's why we are focused on optimizing our um, CACO in particular uh, asset, and it's a huge resource at 180,000 uh, BOE a day of production. And, and so that's our first step, is making sure that's as efficient as it possibly can be. And then uh, we're, we're, we never ever say we're not looking at opportunities, but the bid-ask spread with uh, stronger commodity prices is more challenging right now. And uh, so we, we don't see... Um, the sweet opportunities that uh, were there six to 12 months ago. And so probably that's more of how, how we look at it and uh, our view on it. So we, we are fine with the op continuing to optimize, taking that free cash flow and giving the majority of that back to our uh, um, shareholders. And uh, our stock price is undervalued significantly, and so I would rather uh, invest in that. That gives us more return for uh, the true value of our asset than it is uh, going outside and looking at other opportunities. Okay, operator, I'm not sure if there's any further questions on there. Okay. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Well, I'd like to uh, thank everyone for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it and appreciate the support uh, as investors. And if you have any further follow-up questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to the uh, to the team here and we'll be happy to have a chat. Hope everyone has a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.